This week on Prepping 2.0. I want to really portray a good image or show people how I've done all these things to prep. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. You all love him and wanted him back on the show. The Real Scotty from 299 Days, the book series. He'll talk about what it's like to be a prominent character in a book series a lot of people have read and what the real team depicted in the book series is like. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. So, Glenn, when we were driving in this morning, Mm -hmm. pretty stout lightning happening around us. Yeah, unusual for the West. (laughs) I view it more as a southeastern U.S. thing. Oh, I think it's pretty common in most places in the summer. And so here's the thing is lightning strike on your house. It can like blow out a lot of stuff. It can blow out a lot of appliances, key electronic devices. Hey. Can you protect your house from such a thing? Yes, you can. We could go out and buy a whole bunch of just surge protector strips all over the house, or we could just check out EMP Shield. Mm -hmm. EMP Shield is basically a large scale surge protector for your house and or your vehicle to protect all your electronic devices, including solar arrays, including your power supply in your house. Is it just going to protect you against lightning or are there other things? Oh, there's CMEs and EMPs, which is why it's called EMP Shield. I encourage you to check them out at our website, prepping 2 Zero.com. Click on friends and affiliates and you'll get a really nice coupon code over there. $50 off every device, which is really a nice little savings. It's time for our weekly check-in with the top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list provided by Bosnia survivors. The list appears on our website, prepping2-0.com under top 100 list of things. Number 21, cook stoves. Obviously, this is something important when you don't have regular utilities. And Shelby came up with a really good point before we came on the show. We were talking about this. And she said, go see what all the stuff that homeless people steal from Walmart is. And there's the items that you're going to need the most. And I thought, that's great. So everybody, just pack up the kids, go to Walmart, go watch what the homeless people steal. Now, you need to basically be in a blue state to see all this kind of stuff. So go ahead, drive to a blue state, to uh, the first Walmart you see, see what homeless people are stealing, and that'll tell you stuff you need to get so there you go item number 21 cook stoves reason of the week to be a patreon as a patreon not only do you get to ask questions of cool people like scotty which we'll be uh, doing later on in the show but you also get to hear the lightning round in the after show here's what you missed if you're not a patreon fill in the blank taylor swift is incapable of maintaining a relationship (laughs) well everybody Let's get into it. I would like to set the stage. You know, people constantly ask me, is the real team like you describe them in the books? The answer is absolutely. Fans of the 299 Days book series, which is something most of you have read or heard if you're listening to this show, most of the people who are fans of the book love to hear from the real Scotty. He joins us today in studio and he's going to answer Patreon's questions. I would like to welcome you, sir, to the great state of Montana. Well, thank you for having me back. How much more awesome is this state than Washington? Considerably more awesome. That's Uh, why I come here all the time. Objection leading question. I'm (laughs) objecting to my own questions. (laughs) Let's start off with the Patreon questions. I have to say, every time we have Patreon questions, we mean this sincerely, you guys knock it out of the park. The questions you ask are phenomenal, and you make the show very interesting. And this is no exception. And I can tell from these questions, Scotty, that these people have read the 299 Days books and they know you. And I mean that in the sense that if you read the books or listen to them, you kind of know Scotty. And so we are going to start off in order with the first question and some background on this question. I have mentioned Gibbs Arms, which we love. They have a pistol caliber carbine, left side charging handle. Awesome. And I've mentioned that it's the truck gun for my new truck, And I've also mentioned that I'm not going to tell anybody what my new truck is because I'm going to be flooded with Ford, Chevy, Dodge, hate, right? So you can't win in this. So the question is, and you know the answer to this because you rode here in my truck, what truck did Glenn buy? That would be a Ford Lightning. Yes, an EV pickup 
that gets you enough charge to get to the end of the cul-de-sac for your miserable suburban life. Did I get that right? It's fairly accurate. You yes. do have to have the gas-powered generator in the bed of said pickup truck yes. in order to power it to go anywhere, <laughs> especially in Montana. Yeah, yeah, where everything it was funny. What someone was saying to us, oh, hey, I'm going to be in this town in Montana. Maybe I can come by a visit. How far is that? And we're like, three hours, four hours. These were the typical answers. One answer was six hours. And the guy realized that, you know, we're talking Montana distances here. So, yeah, a gas generator in the back of your EV just pretty much proves the complete impracticality. Actually, it's not a Ford Lightning that I have. It's a lime green Subaru with a rainbow sticker on it. So, is that true? Giant roof rack. Yeah, giant, giant roof, roof rack on the thing. There's no truck bed anymore. He's got one of the Subaru Bajas. Oh, yeah. It's almost a truck. Almost a truck. It's like an El Camino. And this answer is almost true. Yeah, Scotty's not telling you what kind of truck I got because Scotty doesn't want to be the one that triggers all the hate mail. Because I'm telling you, this Ford Chevy Dodge debate, it gets ugly. It does, but maybe I do want to trigger some people. Okay, it's up to you. If you want to ruin my life, go right ahead. I would never want to ruin your life. <laughs> i just maybe spice things up a little bit. That's okay. all. I guess people just have to listen to the next time you come on the show to find out what kind of truck I drive. I guess so. Not that anybody actually cares. They might. They might. Well, apparently. People look to you for advice. That's right. So real quick, we want to give an awesome shout out to our great sponsors. You can find all of our sponsors at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates, and you will find Survival Garden Seeds. They're having a 10% off 4th of July sale right now. Pro One Water Filters. Katie Armour. Backwoods Home Magazine. Oh my gosh, great repository of awesome homesteading information. Numana Foods, Minutemen Coffee, and yes, we've given quite a bit of that to Scotty today. Paul Burke, Idaho Realtor, help you find your great prepping property in Idaho. You can find him at firstresponsibility.com, powered by Fathom Realty. Thank you so much. So our next Patreon question, I stress again, these are fantastic questions, because this is what you care about. You care about the real Scotty, the real team, the whole experience of being in a book series when it's not like, correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty, when you were born, your first thought wasn't, hey, I'm going to be in a, a fiction series. It kind of was a surprise. It was. Let's just go to that because that's a great story. Tell me what it was like when I handed you that big printout of that Word document. So it wasn't even a book yet. It was a wishful thinking on my part. So what was your reaction when I uh, gave you the manuscript and you read about yourself? It was interesting and kind of odd to read about yourself and how you depict me yes. as, a, as a character, right? And it's different now thinking back to it because it's been so many years ago. Yes, and how 10 things, plus. 10 plus, and how things have changed in those 10 years. It's kind of weird to read about yourself. I guess that's an odd sensation. You're like, this is me, but I didn't write this. I didn't, you know, it is a fiction series. So it's not something that obviously I did. It's something that you created based around me. And that was very cool. It seems like, and this has been the answer of other people who have been in the book series that I've talked to. There was a lot of truth to the characters. I think more than 50% of what I depicted was true. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was the artistic license where I kind of projected into the future what you would be like. So these are things that hadn't happened. And is it odd looking at that mixture of true and fiction? And are you, when you're reading this, screening out the true stuff and the fiction stuff and noticing the interaction? I mean, it's a weird experience. I mean, you kind of have to be in a book series and be a prominent character. So there's a lot written about you to sort of ever experience this. Tell people what it's like, the true versus fiction thing and picking out which is which. Well, I think the easiest part is I can really see myself in the character in Scotty that you wrote, I can see a lot of the things that were very real and very relevant in my life at that time. And then going forward, you created kind of this whole universe. And so seeing myself in that space, if mm -hmm. you will, really was kind of a cool experience for me and almost something that I have to live up to, even though it's a totally yeah. fictional, uh, <laughs> totally fictional environment. It's something that you kind of have to live up to or kind of put yourself in that position where like, yeah, I could see myself doing those things. Yeah. And that's really unusual experience. Well, I was asking about your reaction and I love your answer. I can tell you about my reaction to your reaction. <laughs> Don't forget, you were the first person that ever read this and you read, I think 
a draft of books one and two. That's as far as I got by the time I handed them to you. I remember it was a giant printout, one of those giant binder clips. I mean, it was like a lot of stuff. It was a lot of information to read. Yeah. And your reaction, and I know you and you're honest and you wouldn't lie to me. So when you said, this is really good, I was like a rocket from a launch pad. I was like absolutely euphoric because I knew that if you said, this is really terrible, you would mean it. And you would say it nicely, but you weren't going to like lead me onto this. And don't forget, I had never written fiction before. I had no idea what I was doing. By the way, the publisher of the book series says, don't go on the radio and talk about how you have no idea what you're doing because it's not good, but it's true. And so your first reaction was really critical for me thinking, hey, this is doable. I should finish writing the rest of this. And your reaction was one of the reasons I even sent it to a publisher. So... Thank you for liking my stuff. I'm just happy to be a part of it. Happy to help. (laughs) Okay. So now we go on to our second question. Uh, I should mention, by the way, our first question was from Not A Lurker. That is a reference to the fact that we have lurkers who listen to the regular show and they lurk in the shadows and they don't become Patreons. The $2 a month threshold is a stumbling block for them. And so they uh, remain a lurker and never a Patreon. We suggest that you come out of the shadows, lurkers. And so he's not a lurker. He's a patron. That's why he's asking a Patreon question. So our next question is from Blocker513. And he or she asks, how do you feel about being a character in the 299 Days series? And how well did Glenn represent you? I think you may have answered this, but elaborate if you will. Yeah. So being a character in the book is honestly pretty cool. As somebody that reads a lot and reads a lot of fiction books. It's very cool to see yourself as a character. Especially kind of a cool books. one. It is a cool book. It, right. No, yeah. cool character. Uh, well, that I'm not too. saying cool book. I'm not that cool, but. You're pretty cool. Cool-ish. Cool-ish. I give myself ish. Yeah, okay. You got to ish yourself. Like, yeah, a little, little ish. But I think it's pretty cool. And you did a great job representing me. And like we talked about earlier, like I said, it, this was many, many years ago. So obviously lots of things in life and situations have completely changed for me. But at that time, you really captured kind of the essence of who I was and then put that into a fictional character in the series. And I have to say, it wasn't hard to do, not because I'm amazing, but because all the characters in the book, you guys are such personalities and you're not cookie cutter human beings. And all I had to do was tell stories that actually happened. One of the stories about you is taking a case of 556, which weighs about 40 pounds, and sliding it across the bed of a pickup like it was a bag of potato chips. That's really like rich detail because it happened because I saw it because it was real. It was you. So it wasn't hard to create all these colorful images and these very interesting, unique characters because you guys are and were and still are colorful and they're all kinds of unique facts. So I don't take any credit for being creative. As I've said to a million people, I'm not creative. I just wrote down what people said and did around me and everybody thinks it's such creative fiction but it's a lot of it was real especially in setting up the characters yeah a lot of the character development all that kind of stuff all the time spent at the range the donuts all that kind of all that's real (laughs) right everybody loves that story but you know all those things are real we're real life people right you're you're borrowing those things and you're taking those situations or the things that we did and really capturing that snapshot and putting it into the book is is character development. Which is one of the reasons I think that, and a lot of people have told me this, they really love the books because it's so real. And back to this thing about me not being creative, people will say to me, the dialogue, oh, the things that the characters say to each other, that was so brilliant and creative. And I will say, no, they're conversations that happen. And I don't know if you remember pal one time we were together and he said something witty or brilliant or whatever he said he's a really smart guy and uh he looked at me and he said that's not going to end up in a book is it and i said oh absolutely it is right so it wasn't hard to portray you guys because it's largely real we'll get into some of the detail about that a little bit later our next question and it's a multiple compound question which is fine that's great Richard in Wisconsin, we'll take them one at a time. He says, having been a subject in a book about prepping, how has that affected your real life attitude towards prepping? That's a great question. That is a good question. Um, I think it makes me more aware of the things that I do and the preps that I make and the 
way that I spend my time and my money. Because again, people read these books. Lots of people read the books. Lots of people talk to us, want to talk to us about our preps and the things that we do. And for me, I think I want to really portray a good image or, or show people how I've done all these things to prep. And so spending the time, taking the time, doing the reading, doing the research, spending the money, which is a huge component of a lot yes, of this. It is. Let's be um, candid. It, it is. You know, but doing all those things, you want to have a really good setup or do a really good job and be well-rounded. Um, so I think probably, and I was more of a gun guy when I started my prepping journey, if you will, and it's kind of developed now, uh, years and years down the road to a very well-rounded approach where you are hitting all of those facets, all the things that you need to hit for kind of a complete prepping package versus just guns and ammo. And I can concur because obviously, you know, we're friends and I've seen this. I think that's a typical evolution for a lot of preppers and most people listening here. A lot of us started this as gun guys and gun girls, but we started it with the guns and then we realized that there were a bunch of other things we needed like water and food and comms and you know all kinds of things camp stoves um and so we started branching out and i think that's the sign of a mature well-rounded prepper is somebody who checks off a lot of the boxes you don't have to have it all but i mean you have to think about water because unless you're going to rob people for water bottles you know guns is not all it and obviously we don't encourage people to you know rob people for their water bottles but you can see the point that you have to develop and that's one of the other cool things about this question of is the team real yes the team is real you mentioned the term snapshot which is a perfect term it was a snapshot of 10 or more years ago but in the meantime we've uh, to varying degrees the team has um, blossomed uh, full prepper wise i mean we have conversations about water treatment for example so i mean there's that and i think that kind of surprises people because the characters in the book are basically gun guys and it's on one level counterintuitive to think gun guys would care about water treatment but on another level it makes an abundance of sense what do you think about all that i would agree with that and i think it's kind of it shows the maturity um, kind of in, in your preps, right? Like you said, everybody, or a lot of us kind of started out as, as gun guys and gals, right? And you very quickly realize, especially if you go out and you're starting to ruck with all of your equipment or you're starting to do any sort of training in the field, you realize that you need food, water, shelter. You're probably going to need a camp stove at some point to <laughs> boil water go and Go steal one food. from Walmart. Go steal one from Walmart. Yeah, or, you perfect know, solution. You could be a, a good human and just buy one. Yeah. You could do that or too. Or there's that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I choices, I guess, life mm -hmm. choices. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think that's kind of the difference um, now looking at the team is more, when you say varying degrees, more well-rounded in a lot of the things. People kind of pick the things that they like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've gotten to the point uh, where we've hit most of those main topics, things that you would need to worry about, food, water, shelter, all those kind of things. Um, and so then you're just building blocks. You kind of start at the, the base of each one of those tiers, if you will, or pillars, and you're just kind of adding incrementally improvements to those things. And we encourage each other because nobody wants to be, you know, the schlub. Nobody wants to be the one trick pony, you know, I mean. Right. I mean, hey, let's. I, I do radios all the time. I, I can't defend myself, and I don't know how to provide myself with hydration. But um, I'm really good at radios. That that doesn't work on the team. No, and it's <laughs> never worked. And cross training is huge. I mean, there are people that have very, very fantastic skills. Look at Pal, for example. Oh yeah, the, the dude can fish. Oh my goodness, I, he's the fish whisperer. He is right, but I can fish. I can't fish anything like him, right? Mm -hmm. But he has. Over the years and years of being really, really good friends, he's taught me all sorts of things about fishing. Mm -hmm. Am I still anywhere close to a fisherman like him? No. Mm -hmm. But can I fish considerably better because I've spent time with him? Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Here's our the next part of Richard's question, and I think you've answered it, but feel free to elaborate or not. Uh, do you feel as if you have to live up to the legend? I think not really. It's not a huge thing to live up to it. People just kind of assume. Because <laughs> you were doing it anyway. I'm doing it anyway yeah. in, in preps, right? People just kind of assume that you're this character. And I'm certainly not the same now as I was, you know, 
10 plus years ago when that mm-hmm. snapshot, if you will, uh, was taken of, of who I was at the time, because I've certainly made considerable improvements since then. Right. But your credit score is higher. My yeah, credit score is mm-hmm. higher, you know, than have, when you were in your early 20s. I have more gray hair now. Oh, so, shocking. Everyone's everyone is like, oh, my goodness. Scotty has gray hair. It's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Um, the next sub question in Richard's question is, do you feel as if you've been there, done that and can coast now? What a fantastic question. We've done entire episodes on this thing about staying motivated. So please let us know if you've been there and done that and are coasting or not. Yeah, no, that been there, done that is not it's not something that I would typically say because you're always learning. You're always improving. There's always new things to learn, try and experience. And so I'm definitely not in a coasting mode at all. I'm still building, still improving, still learning as much as I possibly can. Absolutely. Okay. So another part of Richard's question, we told you it was a multiple compound question, but it's a good one. A good one. Have you gone beyond those days and are you on a higher plateau? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Without question. And I think, (laughs) I think most people that are into prepping are, unless you stop prepping at some point, you're continuing to improve your position in your situation. And that's what makes, I mean, generalizing here, that's what makes our community, I think, different than the general population. There are several aspects that make us different. One of them is we keep learning and improving and we don't just, you know, check off a box and and we, we understand what all it takes to make it through the disruptions that are coming. And so we keep working on it. And, and you're definitely an example of that. Another part uh, of this question, and I believe it's the last one, is um, assuming the higher pl- a plateau option is your response, where are we in what seems to be an entirely different world than what was depicted in 299 days? And we have a couple minutes before we go to our break in segment two. So if you need to answer half this, uh, we will pick up the other half on the other side of the break. Sure. Yeah. So, um, again, it was a snapshot of a long time ago. I would say that the environment uh, in the U.S. is and in the world really is completely different than what was depicted in the book at that time. Um, so I think things are just a lot different. Um, and people kind of look to 299 days to be like, yes, this is what's going to happen. Like that may have happened in a snapshot 10 years ago. Now, some circumstances in our country and in the world have changed. And so we have to be adaptable. We have to be flexible and really be thoughtful in the way that we do things and how how we prep, where we prep and why we're doing things. Be very intentional. Yeah. And one of the things one of the episodes we did, it was very controversial, but that's okay. And this may be what you're alluding to. We did a show a couple months ago called The Diminishing Threat of a civil war. And some people were kind of mad because they kind of like the idea of a civil war. We don't uh, like the idea of a civil war, but we went through and talked about how things have changed uh, and things are less civil war E if I can make up a term like I do every show. But I think we're going to need to um, pick this up on the other side of the break. Join us on the other side. We'll see what uh, Scotty's thoughts are on Civil War E ishness. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. 
EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Thanks for rejoining us, everyone. Shelby Gallagher here. We're just getting started with our conversation with the real Scotty. For even more, stick around for the after show. Oh, my gosh. If you're a Patreon supporter, you'll want to hear the lightning round. Well, Scotty was talking about my Ford Lightning electric EV truck. Uh, by the way, that's a total lie. So if I thought the hate mail was bad on Ford, Chevy, Dodge... Can you imagine the hate mail if people thought I bought an electric vehicle pickup? It'd be unrelenting. I'm a flower. I'm very sensitive. I would wilt. So we can't have that. So there is one thing true in what he said, and that was the truck gun. I guess that's what I said, not what you said. So anyway, the truck gun, Gibbs Arms, G-I-B-B-Z Arms. They make a pistol caliber carbine, among other things, with a left side charging handle. As I've said before, the only thing that Mikhail Kalashnikov got wrong was... The charging handle on the right side so you have to use your left hand i don't know what he was thinking he might have been drunk on vodka could be but anyway they have solved that at gibbs arms to actually improve on kalashnikov that's high praise it's a charging handle with the left hand which makes way more sense pistol caliber carbine let me tell you something nine millimeter out of a nine or ten inch barrel is no joke perfect truck gun so go ahead and check them out gibbsarms.com they have a great youtube channel where they show you all their innovative stuff you kind of got to see it to believe it we have the archive dive this is where we go back and talk about an older episode we have so many new listeners every episode you may not know about some of the stuff we've done in the past we encourage you to look at past episodes at prepping2-0.com all the shows are there there's a handy search button 
the little magnifying glass in the upper right corner where you can search for a term. That's Shelby's favorite thing in the world because it makes stuff so much easier. Episode 69, we had Matt Bracken on. He is an author and a former SEAL. And I'll never forget his answer to a question I ask greatly affected the trajectory of my life. I'm not even kidding. I asked him and we were going out from a break. And so it was kind of a quick question, kind of a throwaway thing. I didn't expect any like illuminating life wisdom. And I said, what are the top three things preppers need to consider? And I assumed he would say food, water, and security. And he threw me a loop. He said, location, location, location. And that is the perfect answer to that question. It absolutely summarizes the fact that you need to be in a relatively friendly place. It had a big effect on Shelby and I thinking about it's time to get out of Washington State. So thank you, Matt Bracken, for being a guest and giving us a great answer. Highly recommend episode 69. There's way more cool stuff in that episode than what I just mentioned. So let's continue with the um, question that Richard in Wisconsin asked about basically whether the world is different from when 299 Days was written. You started with some great stuff. And of course, we had to cut to a break, which we have to do hard breaks because we're on the radio. So what else would you like to say about that? Yeah. And again, we're talking about the snapshot from many, many years ago. About 2010 is about when the snapshot was for people. Yeah. For reference, Mm -hmm. 13-ish years ago, Mm -hmm. a lot of things have changed. And we talk a lot about being out of Washington or getting out of Washington just because of how bad things have gotten, especially mm-hmm. in a lot of these liberal states. And mm-hmm. that's why you see a lot more kind of touching on the civil war e-ness of the question. You're seeing a lot of people kind of solve that problem by moving to red states, by going to places where it is friendly to preppers, friendly to people that want to live free. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much for that answer. Bisky says... Since you've been part of a prepping book series and are friends with Glenn, don't flatter yourself, Scotty. We're not really friends. Ouch. Oh, you're so sensitive. What is your take on the direction we are headed? How bad will it get in your opinion? 299 days bad, less bad than 299 days or worse? What a great question. That's a great question. And you can kind of almost break this down into several parts. I think you're going to see... And we've already kind of started seeing that. It kind of ties into the last question a little bit uh, where people are starting to move to places where there are freedom. For instance, you move someplace like Montana and there's not as much theft from your local Walmart of camp stoves or sleeping bags or tents. or. The only time someone in Montana walks out of a Walmart with something is when they legitimately forgot to pay. So I think a lot of that is just different. You see kind of the decay of society. Uh, There's a lot of drugs, a lot of theft, predominantly in large cities in big urban and suburban areas. So I think you're going to see, we're seeing that kind of societal decay at the moment. The next kind of part to that is it's going to be different than 299 days. Cause again, that was years ago that we thought about all those things and, and the book was written. So There's different considerations now versus before. And then I guess the last part of that is I think things are going to be better for some people and worse for quite a few. And by saying better, I mean, if you've taken the time to prepare yourself and insulate yourself from some of these things that we're going to see, like supply chain issues, medication issues, have you taken the time and slowly but surely prepared so that you're not as adversely affected by some of these hiccups in the supply chain as people that have to go to the grocery store every day or every couple of days for their food or medicine or anything that they could possibly need. So it's kind of a roundabout answer, I guess, to all three or four of those parts, but it really depends on your situation if it's going to be better or it's going to be worse for you. Thank you so much for making the point about whether things are going to be bad or not. And you said it depends And that has changed. It seemed more universal in 2010 that, and this comes from my perspective of living in a blue state. In 2010, I had the approach that it's going to pretty much suck equally across all 50 states. There really wasn't a blue state and a red state movement. I mean, there were differences, but now, boy, 13 years later, the difference between blue states and red states is very pronounced. 
And you alluded to another thing that I think is very true, and that is in the 13 years or so that we've had since 2010, a lot of time has gone by, which means a lot of us have had 13 years to prep, to refine our stuff, to learn skills, to get stuff, to find groups. And so when you look at the passage of time and the fact that red states are demonstrably safer for you than blue states, yeah, it's not going to be awesome. It's not going to be fun, but you can lessen the impact of the badness because of the time that's gone by and hopefully you made good use of it. And also the fact if you're in a red state, it's not going to suck as bad. So that's something that we can look at. And don't forget that the name of this show is Prepping 2.0, which implies evolution and change and going and looking at new stuff and better stuff and saying, yeah, prepping 1.0 was different than prepping 2.0. And so you've evolved and you're describing an evolving situation. And I think that makes a lot of sense to a lot of listeners. Sure. I think a lot of people can kind of put themselves in that position and kind of see how they started in their own preps. You've started at one level and you've incrementally improved your position either by meeting a group of people, becoming a team, becoming an element of people that have varying skills, improving your preps by just having maybe more of the same thing, or you've been able to expand or improve your situation by moving to a place that's safer, that is going to lessen that impact on you, right? If you're in an area of like-minded people and it's relatively safe and you have the ability to have security through friends and neighbors. It's Jeez. going. Yeah. Do you need some of your herbal Washington state tea? Mm, no tea. Okay. <laughs> it's tea bags. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's taking a gulp of good Montana well water. Yeah. So let me go on to the next question, if you don't mind. And that is, oh, here we go. Listeners, grab yourself a comfortable seat. You may want to get a pillow and a toothbrush because this is going to be a long topic. Scotty can talk at length about this and still keep your interest, I may add. Brian asks, if you could have only one main battle rifle or carbine with an intermediate cartridge, what would it be and why? Start the timer. Go, oh, sir. Good you, you know what you're talking about on this topic. And it's a big topic. We don't, you know, candidly, we don't talk enough about guns on this show. We need to bring back some gun talk. Well, I am a fan and I mentioned that earlier. That's kind of how I started my prepping journey was being a gun guy and really loving guns and shooting guns all the time. It is a tough question, mm. honestly, because talk why, about Ford, Chevy, Dodge. Well, I mean, kind this of, could right? get ugly. It could, but <laughs> it's hard to have just one. And I look at my approach. I'll say this before I really answer the question. Uh, look at what you need and have depth in your preps. And that applies to both guns and regular other preps. Um, I don't know that I could honestly answer your question, Brian, with just one rifle. I think if I had to pick one gun today in, in 2023 as a battle rifle with an intermediate cartridge, I would probably say a 6.5 Creedmoor out of either a, a Knight's or a LaRue OBR or even a SCAR. It's been converted. AR platform minus the SCAR. Minus so the talking, SCAR. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, six five Creedmoor. I you want to talk about you want to talk about some ugly hatred. Uh it's gonna be the six five versus five five six versus seven six two. Um well, versus three oh eight versus seven six two by thirty nine. Well, now we even have the six eight for the military that's gonna be yeah. making its debut eventually. Yeah. Uh, and the new platforms from SIG, like the spear that are coming out. Uh, that's another one that'll be relatively interesting that I have not put my hands on yet, but I like the idea. Mm -hmm. Well, and is it true? Uh, do you feel like you're in a deposition or a courtroom setting? Because what I just said totally reminded me of what I do all day. Um, is it true that there are basically no bad rifles and cartridge combinations other than like oddball weird stuff as far as like mainstream stuff i mean in my what do you think i mean can you go wrong i mean is there an absolute disaster thing to stay away from no and i think the biggest thing to remember for people is can you acquire the weapon system can you buy it can you afford it 
Is it legal in the state you live in? That's a real consideration now, even compared to 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, can can you even buy it in your state? Is it possible for you to obtain this now? Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, can you pay for the system? Can you put good optics on it? Can you put a light on it? Can you put maybe a laser on it if you're running night vision? Can you put slings? Can you pay for all the magazines? Can you pay for ammo? And the biggest thing and the thing that people forget is they kind of buy these really cool rifles or really nice things and they put them in a box or a safe. Do you have training with it? Can you actually make use of the system? Uh, and I think oftentimes people neglect that part of their preps because training is a huge part of prepping. If you don't possess a base level skill, even if you don't use it all the time, if you don't have a base level skill with it, it's really hard to make use of that, even if it's the best thing that you can get in the world. Even if you spent five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars on this system, if you have five dollar training and a fifteen thousand dollar gun, mm-hmm. you're giving somebody else a really nice fifteen thousand dollar gun. Yeah, after they shoot you in the head and take it from you. Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, and I agree hundred percent with what you're saying, and we've said it a million times on this show. Um, one thing that can kind of lessen the impact of what you're saying is that if you practice a lot on say an AR platform, which is by far the most popular. And I think for good reason, uh, my answer by the way, is an AR 15 and five, five, six, but anyway, um, and you know how much I love AKs. So, you know, that's like saying something for me. So anyway, but if you practice a lot on an AR platform, even with, you know, a 22 caliber long rifle AR, if you practice and you get the, 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 uh, the, muscle memory down. You have your manual of arms and you get it down. You can then transfer that to the same platform in different calibers. And one of the things that I did that, that is so much fun and was really, really helpful for me. Um, I have actually, I have two, uh, Smith and Wesson M and P 1522s, which is a AR 15 in 22 caliber. It's very reliable, good magazines, all kinds of stuff. I shot, I don't know, 10,000 rounds through those two things. And, and now when I pick up an AR 15, I instantly know when it's on safe and when it's on fire, obviously that's a safety thing. But when I'm moving, I'm clicking the safety on at the right time and then clicking the safety off at the right time, just because I spent so much time and not a lot of money because it was 22 long rifle on that AR platform. So I, I, I just wanted to make that point. You could have, you know, an AR in, in six, five Creedmoor, for example, and you don't have to go and buy a thousand rounds of six, five ammo. If you've worked on the AR platform and same with AKs. Correct. Yeah. It's, and that's important for a lot of folks, especially if you're not spending a lot of time shooting guns as you kind of would like to pick a platform like that. And that's why the AR is so popular. It's, really easy. It's very ergonomic. You can change a lot of the parts to make things work for you and really leverage uh, the system. So you can have different calibers, you can optics, lights, all of it relatively easy to change versus something like an AK. Uh, More difficult to add, say, a red dot to it or add a flashlight to it unless you're putting rails on it and spending quite a bit of money to make those improvements or those changes. So I, I like where your head's at, especially, you know, talking AR platforms that they're easy. Um, Universal, basically. For the most part, yeah. I would say yes, unless you come from some crazy, crazy part of the world where ARs are not common. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most of the people in the U.S., especially now, uh, it's they're pretty universal. Most folks could at least seemingly operate them with very little training. Uh, I like the system. It's tried and true. Um, mm-hmm. it comes down to, again, the <laughs> ammunition you can feed the thing yeah. and how much money you're going to dump into each individual system. Highly recommend for those out there listening, uh, a Smith and Wesson M and P 1522, which as I say, is an AR 15 in 22 caliber. You first, it's my favorite gun and, and I have a couple and it's my absolute favorite gun. Um, I recommend the threaded barrel and getting a uh, Sparrow uh, suppressor in 22 caliber, they're, they're f- fantastic. Um, anyway, so that, and that being said, we were talking about AR platforms. I think every American should know how to run an AK 
AK-74 or AK-47. You need to know the basics of it. It may not be your, your primary cup of tea, but you should know how to run one because there are quite a few of them out there. What do you think about that? I, I definitely agree. I think weapons familiarization a lot of, along a lot of different platforms is crucial. Uh, you may come across varying weapon systems and people that you have in your group might have a different system than you do. You might not jump in and everybody has the same thing to start with. Maybe I had a, an AR and you had an AK to start and that's all we had. Yeah. And so you need to be familiar with that if I need to pick your gun up and shoot it or just just to have fun and be safe. Uh, you need to have some varying levels of experience with the system so that you can operate it safely. I'm going to throw you a curveball that was not part of this question, but is an important topic in my opinion. Fire away. Ah, I see what you did there. Uh, so we've been talking about ARs and AKs. Another long gun, and the question was about main battle rifle or carbine, so it, it didn't include shotguns. What are your views on the uses of shotguns? Um, should people have one? Should people know how to use one? What do you think are the pros and cons of shotguns? Because before you answer that question, I'll tell you, as I've said on the air, I don't really like shotguns. I mean, I know how to use them. I have a couple and uh, and I stay proficient. And I, I will admit they have some really great specialty uses, but there's a bunch of things about them that I can get into after you answer that. shotguns are not my go-to. So what do you think about shotguns? Shotguns. I love shotguns. First of all, I'll say that. Um, I've I've seen your gun safe. This is true. And then uh, the second part to that is it's a very, very powerful weapon system. So you're packing a huge punch in a similar size package to an AR, but more devastating, especially if you're running a semi-auto in close proximity, in shorter duration of time. Uh, and the difficulty that comes with shotguns and the reason that I think a lot of people don't like them or kind of shy away from the system is it is harder to run than a magazine, a box magazine fed system. Uh, the same is true of lever guns, for instance, right? You have a tubular magazine in a lot of cases um, for most of your common shotguns that you have to constantly feed. And it's a low round count gun. So most of your even tactical shotguns are running seven to nine rounds ish. And if you're not shooting, you need to be reloading that gun. The other part, what's the phrase we always said on the range. If you ain't killing, you got to be filling. <laughs> That's right. But there's truth to that. There, there is truth to that. So, and if you are running a shotgun, even if it is a, a tertiary weapon system, which in a lot of cases for a lot of people, it probably would be. It would not be something that you would take as a primary weapon system unless your only job in a team or an element per se is is breaching, right? Then that might be. Tell folks what breaching is if they're not familiar. So breaching would be, uh, in, in this case, it uh, would be breaching using a shotgun is, is what I'm referring to. Uh, you could use breaching rounds. Uh, to defeat hinges or locking mechanisms on on doors. It's basically the master key to a door is blowing its hinges off with specialty rounds of 12 gauge. Yes. Uh, And you can accomplish this many different ways, but a shotgun is a great way to do that. Uh, But it is something that needs to be trained ahead of time. It's not one of the things that you can immediately pick up and start running double up buck into door frames. Because you need to know where the hinges are, for example. Well, hopefully you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one of the things about shotguns that I I think is, is true is that, as I'm fond of saying, everyone in their dog has a 12 gauge. Shotguns are so common. I mean, even duck hunting guns and that kind of thing. They're everywhere. You should know how to use them because there, there are tens of millions of shotguns. There might even be a hundred million or more shotguns in this country. So they're very, very common. 12 gauge ammo is very, very common. I would stay with 12 gauge. 20 gauge is far less common. I have a couple 20 gauges just because they have specialty uses. They're great low recoil, lower recoil uh, for kids and stuff like that. So um, 12 gauge is a really common thing. It's like 38 special. Um, and one of the cool things about shotguns is the diversity of uses. You mentioned buckshot, rifled slugs, breaching rounds, birdshot. Birdshot is great because um, unless you're really close, you're not going to kill somebody. If you want to just shoo people off, 
it's one approach. I mean, you shouldn't just count on people getting some birdshot in them and saying, oh, it's time to leave now. You got to have another plan. I'm not saying that, you know, this classic thing, you just you just rack a a shotgun and the sound of the uh, chambering of a round will drive people off. Uh, Not if they're really hungry and or on drugs and or want to kill you for ideological reasons. Uh, It's not going to work. So don't count on that. So anyway, any other thoughts about shotguns? Yeah, um, I guess one other thing that we didn't touch on, and it's become really, really important in kind of the wars of today, if you look at what's going on in Ukraine, especially, um, they're flying drones around and dropping hand grenades from drones on troops. Uh, So having a 12 gauge in your arsenal might be a good thing, given especially a nice long barreled hunting 12 gauge, you know, your old wingmaster out of the safe, right? Yep. That Grandpa's. Exactly. That might come in handy at some point. I'm just saying, and some birdshot uh, might be good to have around. A funny story about shooting down drones with shotguns. Uh, Shelby and I, the uh, first time we met was at a shooting contest, believe it or not. This is for real. And it was, it was like, uh, I won't describe the setting, but it was all lawful and okay. Part of the fun of the event was um, the sponsor of the event had drones that had Tannerite on them. And so there was a contest who could shoot down a drone with Tannerite and the operator would move it around and stuff like that. Um, I'm proud to say I was the only male that got one shot, one kill. And if you've ever seen a drone blow up with Tannerite, you have truly lived a full life because it is the most spectacularly cool thing you're ever going to see. It was so neat. And then there was one woman who was able to shoot down a drone with one shot with a shotgun. And I said, I'm going to marry that girl. That's a true story. And you did. And I did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and her name is Thelma, and uh, I lost touch with her. No, that would be very anticlimactic. Um, so we've, we've covered um, firearms. Why don't we, uh, we, we throw in uh, a topic real quick. We got, a, we got about a minute before we go into the after show, so we'll start this awesome topic and then go in the after show. We're going to finish up with a bunch of more Patreon questions. And that is, what are some uh, quick thoughts in less than a minute to get folks started on handguns? Rapid fire. I like it. Um, Step one is get training. Uh, Don't go out and just buy the first thing that you see. There's a lot of really good popular handgun manufacturers now that are going to get the job done for you. Uh, Find what's going to work for you. Find size, capability, capacity, legality in your states um, and go from there. But start with training, number one. Yeah. And one thing about pistols that a lot of people don't realize until they've, you know, been experienced with firearms is that um, pistols are like jeans. Some of them fit and some of them don't. And you can't really know just by the quote size. I mean, people's hands are different. People's hand strength is different. Some older people, people with arthritis, they now have easy slide, you know, easy to cock um, slide um, pistols. And that's a great thing. So it isn't one size fits all. And with that, we're gonna have Shelby take us out. So Patreons, we'll check you on the other side of this, but always remember, folks, from Benjamin Franklin, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.